Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation on Air. I am Alex Bullimore and joining me once more is Dan Lambert and Lucas Ross. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Evening, Alex. Evening, Dan. How are you? All good. So it has been an interesting week for QPR and had we done a podcast after Saturday's game... I probably would have said something overly dramatic and stupid like QPR just exists to break their fans' hearts. But luckily, eight very well-taken penalties and one rather poor one from a wannabe Louis Vuitton model has cheered me up no end. Um, So let's get started with the less successful game, which was Saturday's game against Bristol City. Um... Guys, simple question to start with. How did we not win that game? Um, two words, Daniel Bentley. Um, he had probably the best individual goalkeeper performance I can remember against us up along with Mark Travers on Tuesday night and Lee Camp um, against us a couple of seasons ago. And Lee Camp still conceded three. Um, I think um, I'm not getting the shots away quickly enough hurt us quite a bit um, was too slow in that department we also were not able to find a way past quite a stubborn defence and a, a very very good goalkeeper enough um, and I think we got exploited on the counter attack too much with the likes of with Jordi Devices slip for the second goal for their last minute winner proving rather costly um, yeah, I mean, to, to sum it all up, it's probably the most dominant display under Warburton, yet the most counterproductive one. Um, 26 shots on goal, um, and we concede two, two transitions from their three shots on target. I mean, it, it, was, a good, it was a good watch from, a, from our point of view and probably from, from a neutral, but it just the off-the-ball, the, the um, behind-the-ball structure is the one that, um, that gets me the most. We can't... We can't I know. It, I get it. it's natural to be vulnerable from from transitions in a Warburton kind of side, but there comes a point where you've got to just have some sort of structures to just prevent anything that um, that can go behind you. But the first half was interesting for me. We went quite direct in the sense of crossing. I think we had we had twenty six crosses in the first half and only seven completed. Now it's all good crossing, but realistically against the Bristol City side that are quite were prominent in both boxes. It, it, it was a weird, weird tactic, I thought, from Warburton. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good, enjoyable attacking display, but the formation probably let us down uh, defensively, I thought. Yeah, I thought, like, early on, we probably did get quite a lot of joy. And McCallum, you know, we've seen it in the past with Wallace. It's a very... The left side does seem to be our sort of more favoured side for attacking. And I thought McCallum, that was the first time I thought that's, like, a really good performance from him. Um, So, you know, it was disappointing. Um, But we've already mentioned Bentley. I found it interesting that... uh, EFL stats put up a thread about goalkeepers after game week eight and they said that Bentley was in the top five uh, for saves across the whole season so far in the championship with 29 I can imagine that he probably wasn't in the top five before the weekend I mean that's how well he played and how much of a thorn in the side he was for us 
Dan, you've mentioned it already about the formation. Do you think the actual starting eleven had anything to do with the overall sort of result? Um, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, I'd say yes and no. No, probably because the fact that we were we were so dominant in our attacking display that it, to a degree it worked. But I think I don't know. There, there seems I thought. Johansson was quite isolated at times and I think that kind of showed off uh, with our behind the ball structure because he was normally sitting just around the edge of the box but there was a lot of space that um, Bristol City could uh, could attack in the um, in their in their in our third I mean it's, it's hard to say isn't it but in hindsight it, it didn't work but I've probably probably let Warburton off with that one I have to admit at the when the team did uh, get announced. I was kind of surprised. I can't, I can't remember the exact game he did this, but he did it in a game last year, and I think it worked out in the end. But I guess it's different, perhaps with no fans at the stadium. I don't know, but it was. I just felt from the get go we were missing Don Ball just a little bit, and I know some fans will disagree with me here, but he was a calming presence. He generally is. You saw that against Everton. He was fantastic. Um, I just think. We went with a side from the first whistle that would have been perfect for chasing the game in the last 10 minutes, bar maybe sort of like bringing on a, a doma for a bit of additional crossing quality. But I, I just don't understand why there was a need to go so attacking um, so early on. And I think it really did cost us. Lucas, did what, what would you have done any differently about the side at the start of the game? Ooh, I think... Um... Good question. I probably would have started Don Ball and gone just the one up top because um, I think um, in a, in a, against a team like Bristol City, they they will do you with their team likes of Hanno Amasengo, who is literally asking for a bit. Who after Saturday's performance is, in my opinion, he wants a big money move, and I think he could well get his big money move soon. Um, I think he's too good for the championship, especially after I played on Saturday. I'm sorry, I had Don Ball in midfield. And in place, I probably would have gone with just the one up front on Saturday because I think playing two strikers against Bristol City in the end, as as dominant as we were, it didn't work. Um, but I think we, we should have had Ball in midfield and just the one up top. Well, it's interesting no, as you could... mentioned... Oh, sorry. Um, Sorry, what you're saying, Dan. No, I was just going to say there was two, probably two pet peeves for me in that in that type of, in that game that we just we spoke about how attacking he went, but then he felt the need to to take off a striker and put Don Ball in the last ten minutes. Now, what for me that's that's counterproductive. We can if we go for the we, we won one or at that point, we might as well have gone for the kill rather than it just doesn't make it doesn't really add up for me. And the other thing was. Um, the substitution. Now, I can understand if Andre Gray was for fitness reasons because he hasn't really played a lot of football in recent um, times. But I was a bit um, doubtful with the Charlie Austin substitution, not because of the personnel. Uh, I don't want people starting to give me abuse or whatever after his um, bad week. But um, they after the equaliser, Bristol City kind of moved up to a mid to high block, and there was a lot of space that we just kept attacking in behind and I thought maybe bring on someone like Thomas that just got the energy just to run in behind all the time because we had a lot of joy during that period 
Yeah, absolutely. I definitely felt that Warburton had sort of the game plan the wrong way round. Um, and he ended up with a team he probably should have started with, perhaps, minus maybe, you know, a few personnel changes up front. I thought, regard, I, you know, I'm a, fat, I'm a big fan of Dykes, and I thought he was unlucky not to get a goal because he did keep on trying. He probably should have scored in the first half. I think in the second half, Bentley pulled off an amazing save and just managed to tip it round the post, and it looked like it was just going to creep in. It just wasn't his day. Um, but... You're absolutely right. Why would you bring on ball so late on when you don't need someone to control the midfield at that point? You just need to overload them. Why would you take off the strikers? If you're going to take off Gray, at least leave Dykes on and bring on Austin for Dyke, uh, Austin for Gray, like a straight swap or something like that, because it just didn't work with just having one striker. Because I felt that, Austin was coming just a little bit too wide again. He wasn't staying in the middle and he wasn't creating that, you know, he, there was no focal point for, for us to send across into because he kept on drifting out. And we saw that sort of like, it wasn't slow, but it was just pass after pass after pass on the edge of the Bristol City box and trying too many one-twos to work our way into the box. I know it's something that they quite like, but, you know, there's got to be a bit more cutting edge in the way that we play. Um, Dykes and Gray, though, I thought they did link up pretty well throughout the game. What What did you guys think? Yeah, no, I I'd, I'd agree. I think they um, it looked like quite a, a good, quick, instant um, connection between the two, especially in the first half. I think Dykes had a few a few chances, and Gray was running. Um, was running beyond and then the second half obviously Gray. I think Gray had a few chances running in behind. I'm not I'm not I know Dyke certainly had one where he probably should have done better. That was the chance that he probably uh was a bit should have been a bit more decisive with. But yeah, it looks a good partnership. And I mean uh well I'm sure we'll come on to it, but with them being rested in the cup, it looks like um they could could maintain that partnership coming up. Yeah. Um so I know it was disappointing that we didn't manage to get the win, but surely there's there is positives a lot to take from this performance alongside the performances of the likes of Dykes and Gray. I thought yet again, Geordie Device was an absolute mountain. Unfortunate that he slipped at the end, and I don't think, in fact, we've I think we've said in in our group chat about how we should probably just stop watering the pitch because I know Dan's going to say they want it slick for Wolves ball, but in reality. McCallum has slipped on the pitch. Barbe slipped against Everton, I think. Uh, Device slipped. I'm pretty sure I've seen Barbe, uh, sorry, uh, Dickey slip at least once. Um, and they, it has proved a bit costly this time. But yeah, Device was a fan, was fantastic at the weekend. Anyone else really sort of stood out individually, do you think, you guys? Um, I don't, I don't I'm, trying, I'm trying to think now. I don't think so. Um, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think there was any. I don't think it was more of a standout performance from individuals. I think it was more just a collective. It was just clicking. It was we were creating chances consistently. Yeah, it was just. It's just a sh quite a shame that um, the, the two goals that Bristol City score kind of overshadow the performance. Kind, of, if, if that makes sense. But no, there's positives to take. But it's going to be the champ. The nature of the championship is just completely different. Test game after game. So we just got to we just got to pull ourselves up and adapt to the next game. Yeah, quite right. I think you know you're saying it there. It clicked. It kind of did 
but it didn't at the same time. And at some point, we are going to get it absolutely spot on. And some unfortunate team is going to get in our way and hopefully we thrash them. Like, and it will be incredibly enjoyable. I just hope that it isn't towards the end of the season where things perhaps have sort of gone a bit stale. We do kind of need something in the league coming quite soon. Um, but speaking of good performances of wins, let's move on from Bristol City. Let's put the to bed thoughts of Naki Wells scoring more goals against us. And let's focus on Everton in the Cup. Um, I was there. It was fantastic. Lucas, how great was that game? Um, I can firsthand say... Um... From being there in the R-Block party, that that game was absolute madness. It was brilliant. Um, everyone was up for it in the stadium. I didn't. I didn't see a single person around me who wasn't up for it. Um, there was loads of fight, determination. I thought Austin took his two headers exceptionally well. Um, so even even though the referee was poor, um, I think their first goal could have been flagged offside on another day. Um, their second, um, I, I, I didn't really see because I was at the other end. Um, I, I just saw the, the crowd start, the away end start to go mental. But then can we just take a moment to appreciate that, that we had eight penalties and we scored all eight. Um, and then the and then as Alice described it, the wannabe Louis Vuitton model um, missed his decisive spot kick with Dieng pushing it onto the post. Then Jimmy Dunn, um, Richard Dunn's reincarnation, Richard Dunn 2.0, if you like, he just slots it with his right peg into the, into that top right hand corner and sends everyone into pandemonium. Never have I seen such a party atmosphere at the end of a game before. It was honestly is one of the best games I've attended. Um, but I have to say, um, Dieng, he had he had a good game. He made a crucial stop from Iwobi in the first half when Barbe did slip due to courtesy of the slickness of the pitch. Um, I think um, Austin he gave. He gave Everton's defenders a torrid time, just being in the in the right places at the right time to get the goals. Um, I thought Don Ball, he was here, there, and everywhere. Luke Amos, phenomenal to see him back. What a lad he is! Um, had a really thought he had a really good game when he came on and dispatched his penalty very well. Duke McKenna, he was absolutely sensational when he came on, and I think we could do is seeing a bit more of him this season. Right. So you mentioned there quite a few things. Awobi for start. I've never really rated him as a player, but that was absolutely shocking on his part. I mean, he, you know, supposedly Premier League footballer, he's one-on-one. He could square it to Townsend and it's, it would have been one nil at the time to Everton. I think perhaps would it have been one nil? And now we, we was one nil up. We were one It was up. the minute before they equalised. Right. But that would have been, you know, that I guess you could say the goal was coming and they got their goal anyway. But 
he should have absolutely buried that. Dieng should have had no chance. Um, I thought we were fantastic, although, you know, lucky there. You have to take a bit of luck every now and again. But, you know, we did, we picking out individuals again, Chair and Willock, especially Ilias Chair, they were absolutely on fire. Um, the, the second goal, Chair showed fantastic bit of skill. First goal, Willock went on a, ma- a, a lovely run. And then to pick that pass out for Chair, Chair does, does, that just does what he does best and seems to sort of slow the game down just a little bit to pick out the right pass and get the ball into the box eventually. Dan, what what was your thoughts? You weren't actually at the game, were you? So what was it like from home? Yeah, no, I wasn't at the game, unfortunately. Um no, it looked it looked good. I didn't I didn't I didn't fully catch all of it, but um I mean, yeah, like you said, the chair will it link up. It just looked like a very complete performance against the a near to complete Premier League side, it, which is quite, which is promising more than anything because we can go, we can play these teams and we can show the quality that we have. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing I found interesting was Adoma. He wasn't, I didn't think he was brilliant, but I think notice, having noticed a few patterns over the recent games, I do think that the right wing back role is becoming probably one of the hardest roles in our side, purely on the basis that. Um, Chair and Willock drift so wide left that there's a bundle of space to cover in that right kind of channel. And because Adoma is so attacking, he's almost got to be have quite a measured performance to, to play well. So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, I thought Everton were quite efficient, to be fair, in their, uh, in their chance creation without the ball. Because obviously we, what we like to do is we like to keep the ball um, and play with that. Uh, is there anything else? No, I don't. I don't. Um, the Kure, we struggled with the Kure's third man runs in midfield. I thought in the second half, but I mean, apart from that, it was a it was a great performance and a great evening. Yeah, and um, actually, I wanted to bring up Adoma, so I'm glad you did mention him. I think we said last week about people wanting to see Adoma come into the side instead of Moses or Kakai, and I think what you know his performance against Everton kind of showed why I I think he, he's okay coming on in the last 10 minutes as a right wing back when we do need to just go attack and attack and attack. And we've got the opposition pinned back. But when you've got someone like uh, the birthday boy himself, Anthony Gordon coming at you, he's actually, you know, a pretty decent championship level uh, midfielder. And you know, obviously he's playing with good uh, players all around him. But when it's more even like that and Adoma's pushed back, he did look like he was struggling at times. And even when he tried to go forward, I don't think he particularly had his best game. But it is seemingly putting forward a bit of a pattern for him in the League Cup or dropping not great performances, but then putting his penalties away at the end. So, you know, if he keeps on putting the penalties away, I don't really care. But yeah, I just think that, like Dan said, it's coming... I wouldn't say problem area just yet, but like you said, it's going to be something where teams might exploit us and it's not looking too, I'm not going to say promising, but like there's still room for improvement there. Um, Yeah, Lucas mentioned him already, Don Ball. And he was just fantastic. I mean, you know, you've got 
a player that used to play for Barcelona in Andre Gomez and the best player on the pitch used to play for Rotherham at right back. <laughs> so that's how impressive he's been. And he's just come on leaps and leaps and bounds. And we've already mentioned the penalties. They were fantastic. And so we are moving forward into the fourth round now, just one round away from a quarterfinal, which is absolutely ludicrous. I, you know, I never, ever, ever thought I would see QPR get in with a good chance of getting into a quarterfinal. And I say good chance because we've got League One Sunderland. So, Laz, how did you feel when the, that ball came out of the hat? Oh, bit bit mixed here. Um, well, we got the only team not in the Premier League and Championship left in the competition. At the same time, I would have liked one of the big boys down, but at the same time, Sunderland would be decent. However, I'm just going to spit, flip it on its head here. Last three seasons, last, yeah, last three seasons, like, how many seasons? Yeah, last three seasons, um, we've been dumped out of this competition by teams in League One. So that is a bit of a worrying stat, which does frazzle me a little but bit we've already got past Oxford, yeah we broke we broke the curse you broke the curse don't we, 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 we broke the curse and to be honest if you want to like it. really go back you can look at all the different league cup fixtures that we've played we you know first round and second round constantly losing to league one and league two opposition i think we're actually worse in the second round in this competition ah but, um, that is that is true because we, because usually our tradition is to get through round one, then bow out in round two. But um, um, I think hopefully history will rewrite itself and we get a nice day out for the quarterfinals near, near Christmas. Well, I think the last time that we reached the fourth round in this competition, at least, was twenty was two thousand eight, I believe. And yeah, we we, have Man- we were away to Manchester United. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that is it's correct. our first time in. Yeah. It's our first time in this round for 13 years and our third time, only our third time in 26 years getting this far. If we beat Sunderland, it will be our first um, quarterfinal in the, in the Carabao Cup for 32 years. I, my dad would have been, he would have been 11, 12 at the time, which is just madness to think that we've come that far. I mean, correct, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but that last time that we reached the quarterfinal, did we not go on to the final? And then nothing happened. Nothing happened in the final. It just, nothing ever happened in that final. Don't, don't ask any fans. Don't ask our dads about it because they won't, they just won't be happy. Um, yeah. So I think we're all kind of quite excited about the opportunity. Um, I, I was absolutely delighted to get Sunderland, but on the flip side, I reckon Sunderland fans at the other end of the country are probably going, yeah, QPR, we could do them. And fair play, because both sides have got a fantastic chance of making it into a quarterfinal. Um, we did actually play Sunderland recently in the League Cup, not that long ago, when they were, in fact, a Premier League side. And there was only there's only one player from that team who played Sunderland for QPR that is... Uh, or in that, I guess it was the squad for that game who could play in the next game. So have a think about which this player could be. And then at the end of the podcast, I'll ask you, see if you can uh, 
figure it out. And Lucas, don't please don't go on your phone. I saw that straight away. That is terrible behaviour. Um, moving on from the cup, we are now going to be looking forward to West Brom, which is uh, tomorrow night. Actually, at the time of recording, Dan, not West Brom haven't exactly had the. I mean, they've had a good start, but with their quality in their squad, should they be having a better start? Do you think? To the season, um, well, they're, are they, they're top up, are they top or they're second? I think they're second, one of the two. But it's either them or Bournemouth. But I don't know. It's 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 hard. They've they've been underperforming in, in front of goal. Um, they've been putting up some good um, good numbers in, in terms of the attacking areas, but they just haven't been finding that ruthless uh, edge. A bit like a bit like us last um, last week against uh, Bristol City. It's going to be, it's one of the sides that we don't like playing against, the aggressive, just the aggressive press. Um, funnily enough, actually, I read um, an article on them and they've, they've actually been having a little bit of trouble with their press. So if we can play out correctly, I reckon we could um, have some joy by- bypassing it a bit. Um, one of their big threats this season is their long throws, particularly through Darnell Furlong. Quite an interesting stat is... Um, they average per 90 0.21 xg from uh, from throw-ins and the, to put that in perspective the uh, the league average is 0.03 so if we're going to want to be keeping a clean sheet or keep um going for a win we need to be able to defend our box very well um yeah you know what you're going to get with West Brom really it's a it's a 343 it's they try and choke you with the the high press quite direct jordan hugel might play uh, we know what he's all about um, from his time here. Maybe not the most clinical, but he 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 works his um works his head off and he can score goals. So yeah, it's a difficult test, but we've just got to adapt to it. What I was alluding to there with the with that they should be doing better. They're third in the league at the moment, um, and currently this month they haven't actually won a game. So they've played Preston, Derby, and Millwall and drawn all three of them. And just before the international break, struggled by the looks of it to beat Peterborough because they scored in the 90th minute, I think it was, against them. So, certain, I think perhaps that uh, West Brom fans maybe getting slightly nervous about, you know, maybe the cracks are starting to emerge. But you did mention the press and, you know, Valerian Ishmael, now the boss. He has done a number over us when playing when manager of Barnsley. Um, you know, you've got Moat going across. Do you think, you know, is there what's the sort of is there any big differences between the, the sort of the West Brom press and the Barnsley one? Is it because Barnsley had a younger side? I think you know they. Is it a bit yeah. more difficult for West Brom? Um, well, I haven't watched them. I haven't watched them loads this season. It's it's slightly more technical. They got the they got the quality to do so. They got I think <clears throat> I think the, the main midfield partnership is Jake Livermore and Alex Mowat. So quite a quite a workman like midfield. Um, yeah, they've just got they've just got better technical players. Really, um, I don't think they play out from the back as much as I expected them to. But it's they they press very well. They're they're aggressive. They're good from set pieces, long throws. Um, yeah, they're just they're just an all round, a, a quite 
physically aggressive side that you don't really want to come across. Okay, and looking at our team then, uh, there's been a few injuries. I think McCallum has effectively ruled himself out uh, over Instagram because he slipped, unfortunately, and looked to have twisted something. He says, hopefully, it's only a minor injury. But Lucas, what do you want to see this weekend? Do you want to keep the same formation? Are we going to be looking at experimenting a bit like we did against Barnsley or should we try and keep it as simple as possible? What do you think? Um, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure here. I'm going to go a bit controversial. I say we start off by playing a Doma at left wing back with Moses at right wing back and then see how that goes. If it goes well, obviously keep it. If it goes badly, then we can chop and change accordingly and we can we can stick Barbet left back and send the Doma more advanced down or roll on the subs if need be. Um, but I think we start a Doma at left wing back should McCallum not be fit. Okay, so you'd be keeping the same back three and then Moses, I assume, at right wing back. Yeah. Dan, what what would you do? Um so I sorry, I just want to go back on one Lucas's points first. I think adapting adapting's all well, but I think against a side like West Brom, I don't think we can afford to afford to be able to make a mistake and have to change it. Then I, they're a bit different to Barnsley. They've got better quality. They the, the press is a little bit more better um and a bit more prolonged throughout the 90. So I think I think he's got to get it, he's got to get it right from the off rather than experimenting and um and then being able to change it and at half time or whatever. But back to your question, Alex. Um, for me, I'd kind of match them in a way similar to so with our system, but more of a more of a, a, a front three rather than a two and a one or a one or a, one and a two. I'd probably, oh, it, as much as I like Chair, I might be tempted to drop him and just play so play Dykes through the centre and Gray and Willock as kind of like wide wide forwards. It's just going to be a constant game of um, game of transitions, and we just need that that pace to be able to exploit them behind constantly. Um, the wing back areas, I'd ooh, I'd probably go Oda Badger left wing back over Barbe. I think he's better athletically, and I think that's the gate what the game's going to be about. I think as much as Barbe against them, um, Barnsley was quite effective. They dropped off their press in the second half, so I think I go Oda Badger left wing back and probably Kakai right wing back. Just so we got a bit, a little bit of balance on either side. So yeah, that's what I'd do. And then the, the normal back three, obviously, and midfield. Yeah, so I think you're sort of spot on. We kind of need to keep it a bit more simple. I was kind of tempted to maybe change the formation a little bit. Maybe go back to a four at the back, um, which probably would mean maybe Barbe at left back. I wouldn't. I'm not quite sure. It's just like you're trying to fit know square pegs in round holes I think what you can't be doing and I know Dan's mentioned this quite a lot he tried for some reason Dazelle and Johansson against Barnsley you can't you can't be doing that um Tom George Thomas as well we've mentioned it he, he was hung out to dry by that decision to put him at right wing back it's not his position so I think keep it as simple as possible and try and keep the players as close to their regular positions um and we might, you know, we might have a chance in this game. Um, 
having watched the Bristol City game, and I was going to ask about this, um, do we think, because we were getting quite exposed at the back, obviously with Wells running through at the end, do you think that it is the wing-backs that are causing a problem, or is it the fact that the likes of Dickie and Barbe are pushing up quite high when we do attack? Like, what, what is causing more of a problem for us getting caught out? Um, I think it's a little bit. It's a little bit of everything. Uh, the structure it doesn't really matter who personnel-wise, but you've got to have, <clears throat> say, let's say Steph's on the on the edge of the box, and you've got Barbe maybe overlapping or on the in the left half space. You just got to have some bodies, even if it's a dumb ball sweeping or something like. You just got to have a few bodies, even if it's man to man. But I don't think it was man to man against Bristol City. I think it was maybe two v one at some point until until some people came back. The wing-backs, it's a, it's a tricky one. I mean, we've, we've said this before, it's probably a natural part of their game just to overload. But I think that comes also with the um, the balance of the left left and right-hand side, that we how we use it. Because obviously the left-hand side, we like to overload. But then you probably have more of that cover from Barbe. Whereas on the right, there's literally a load of space that the wing-backs got to cover. And, and Dumball sometimes has to become that right-width provider. But obviously he wasn't there in the Bristol City game. So I think it's just a little bit of everything, to be honest. It just depends on the uh, the situation and isolation. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at the Everton game, for Chair's goal, Dickie, uh, no, sorry, Barbe presses quite high and wins the ball back and then passes it back to Chair for him to then eventually put the ball in. Um, you know, so that's the, the good side of it when we've we can really trap teams in the final third and we can really put the pressure on because everyone's pushed up on them. But it's like that one ball, that one little bit of quality that just goes a little bit further or a little bit to the side. And all of a sudden you're exposed and you've got device or Jimmy Dunn left one-on-one or two-on-one. And I just think this weekend against West Brom, could we just maybe sit back just a little, just a little bit more than we normally would I know we kind of want to go for the win and try and beat them, but just you know, but play a little bit more sensible. No, like it, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, it's a. I think I think also one point on the uh, the trapping bit. I think say you were to compare us to. I know it's a completely different realm, but Pep Guardiola's Man City, for example, when whenever that they were vulnerable to a lot of transitions in the um, I think two seasons ago, but they 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 cut that out because they counter press, and that's one thing we don't do. We don't press, so there's no. So we can't um, if we don't have that structure, we can't we can't close down the ball, and I think that comes down. I think the pressing um, the pressing side of it um, impacts that, but we won't we won't we just won't press. It's just not a not a thing for a Warburton side. But maybe we can sit back, but it just it just depends. We're not great in a great in a low block either. So I think there's a few things that Warburton does need to work out. Okay, so moving on from West Brom, if you cast your minds all the way forward to Tuesday of next week, because it is the championship, the obligatory midweek game against a team beginning with the letter B. This time it's Birmingham. And we, I mean, what can we say about them? They've, They've had a pretty decent start. They're just below us in the table. They've got three wins, two draws and three losses. Any thoughts on how... Birmingham we're going to play and how we should go about our business. Um, I'm not 
Um, from what I know about Birmingham, they've had, um, from, for the most part, I know they've had Mateja Sarcic in goal. That's how you say his name. Birmingham fans, if any of you are listening, correct me on this, please. Um, I think, um, yeah, they've, they've started well, had some good wins, namely a win against Stoke, from what I remember. They did, however, come crashing back down to earth with a three with a thumping 3-0 defeat against Peterborough last weekend. So that might be some weak so there might be some weaknesses in there that we could well exploit. Some um, I think it's going to be a narrow game. Birmingham apparently only getting a 1,300 allocation, which is interesting. But yeah, no, I think um it's going to be an interesting one. I think Scott Hogan up top, if he's still their main striker, could cause some problems. Jacques Magoma, if he's still there. Um, Pedersen, if he's still there again, could cause problems. But yeah, no, I reckon it could well be quite a tight game. Yeah, so you mentioned Scott Hogan. He's top goal scorer for them with three goals this season. And so far... Uh, well, they've had back-to-back losses against, like you said, Peterborough 3-0, and then they got thrashed by Fulham. I think it was 4-1. Um, I guess losing to Fulham for Birmingham, not the end of the world, but Peterborough will be a sore one for them. They managed to catch Sheffield United at the right time, beat them at the start of the season. They've also beaten Luton and Derby. So they have, you know, like I'm not trying to say that, that you know, they've played easy teams, but just... Is, is their position a bit of a false position so far this season? Dan, any thoughts on how they're going to be playing? Whether it's, you know, they've got a bit lucky of who they've played so far? Um, so I caught I caught the game against Sheffield United and the one against Derby last, I think it was last week. They're efficient in their style. Boyer Boyer knows how he wants them to play. They're playing quite a quite a narrow 4-4-2, um, overloading wide areas, trying to get balls into the box. Um, they don't particularly press um, press that well. They they kind of remind me a bit of Bristol City that um, that we played obviously last last weekend. They're just happy to sit quite high in the turnovers. Um, quite a mid to low block. Like um, Pearson had his his side laid out. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be quite a similar test, probably with a bit more quality from Birmingham, in my opinion. Um, Teeth Chong, I absolutely love. He's he's like a manager's he's a manager's dream. He'll he'll make fifty yard defensive sprints. He'll run up the pitch. He's skillful. He's quick. Um, so he'll definitely be one that we're gonna have to um, man mark or keep an eye on. But they're just they're just effective in the way they play. They're they're quite direct. They create a lot of chances. Um, they're quite physically aggressive. Um, so yeah, it should be it should be a similar test to Bristol City probably. I'd say. When we got to, we've got to keep keep the ball. I think that's the that's the main thing. Emphasis on keeping the ball. So, I would love to say, really, you know, just more of the same because kind of we we did we played well enough to beat Bristol City, but it is that crucial bit of just getting the ball in the back of the net at the end of the day. I know we said about Bentley having a good game, and hopefully, Birmingham keeper isn't on as good form. Um, but do you think that? I, I, not, I don't want to sort of like write us off tomorrow because we could go to West Brom and win. We could go there and get a draw. We could get a good result against them. It's, we're well more than capable of doing that. But 
would you be worried about reaction from certain members of the fan base who like to overreact because we've lost to Bournemouth and then we've lost to Bristol City and potentially you you could lose against West Brom tomorrow. Come Birmingham, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the team to get the job done against them. I, I mean, what I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear what you guys think about that. Um, I, I disagree slightly. I think Everton, I think Everton paid a lot, um, is a lot, uh, does a lot from momentum. I know obviously it'd be, what if we lose them to it'd be four, four league, consecutive league games in a row, but the fact it's broken up in between the Everton game, I don't think that that should be much of a worry. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not particularly worried if we lose any of those two games. I think it's just the nature of the championship. We, we went on a great run to start the season with you, you, you go on a bad run. It's just about trying to pick up more good runs than bad runs. Um, but I mean, I listened to the, uh, the QPR pod, the bit of the QPR pod earlier today and Jimmy Dunn was on. He kept, he kept um, saying about how good the spirit is in the squad. So I don't really have any concerns um, from a mental uh, point of view, but it'd be, it'd be good just to, just to get another win and just to create another good run. Lucas, anything to add before we move on to the predictions? Um, I think um, if we lose our next two games, then I hate to say it, some of our fan base could well go into meltdown. I'm thinking of a few names, not going to name and shame on here though, but pretty sure you could name one or two from what I'm thinking of. Um, I think West Brom, it's going to be a tough game, don't get me wrong. Um Yes, they have struggled a bit as of late, drawing their last three games and needing a 94th-minute winner to beat Peterborough. Um, but before that, they're on fire. I'm not 100% sure what's happened. Maybe it's because of an injury or something, or something's happened in the team, which has brought the momentum down a little bit. But I think both teams will be up for it in the next two games against um, Birmingham and against West Brom. I think it's just a matter of who wants it more. Um, and who outclasses who on the day, because that could well be in, per- in person, very important. Imperative, not imper- imperative, very important. Okay, M- managed to get there in the end. Uh, finally, <laughs> predictions for the games that start with tomorrow night's trip to West Brom. Lucas, if you could go first, please. What's your prediction? So starting with West Brom tomorrow night, I'm going for a bit of a high scoring affair, but neither team will outscore the other. I'm saying 2-2. Okay. And Dan, prediction um, Oh, Part of me thinks we're going to lose, but I'm going to keep it. Keep it semi, semi-optimistic and go 1-0. One 1-0. All. One all. Okay. I think we're all going with... A draw, I've gone with two all as well. Dan, if you can carry on and give us your prediction for Birmingham, please. Um, ooh. I'm going to go with 3-1 to QPR. And Lucas, prediction for Birmingham. Oh, this could be a bit of a tasty one, not going to lie. 2-0 Rangers. 2-0, okay. And Dan went... 3-1, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, last but not least, the little trivia question for you. So, of the 
who is the only QPR player to have played in the last League Cup meeting with Sunderland, which was a third round two undefeat at Loftus Road when Sunderland were in the Premier League. What year was it? 2016. Yeah. So that would have been when Holloway was in charge, I believe. Um, JFH still. Was it J? Okay. I seem to remember Duncan Watmore coming on and making the difference against us, which is a horribly um, depressing statement to make. Um, an even more depressing statement to make, Paddy McNair scored twice with his first goals of his career. Yeah. So who's the, who's the only QPR player available? Whoa. Not Ingram. Um, no, he's been playing for Hull, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so definitely not Ingram. Not Washington, thankfully. Um, is it Kakai? Yeah, I think yeah. I think it might be. It is Kakai. Well done. Yes. yes. Okay, and uh, with that, we're going to finish here. So um, thank you for listening. And um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Um, and if you if you don't do that, well, QPR are going to lose tomorrow. We'll lose if you don't subscribe and follow us on Twitter. I don't make the rules. This is just how it is. So I'll leave you with that. And just one more thing. What are you going to do, Kevin Friend? <laughs>